Hello, little kid. Do you want a little chocolate or something? Yes, but don't. I don't want any tricks. I know this whole train to Hogwarts is full of surprises and magic, so I just oh, want a regular chocolate. Oh, you don't. You just want a regular chocolate? Yes. Then here, take this one. <laughs> What's? Why are you snickering? <laughs> no, just, just take it. Okay. Open it now while I'm here. Okay. Oh my! A snake! <laughs> I hope you're not allergic to poisonous snakes. Of course I am. It's biting <laughs> my arm. Oh no! Yes! Oh, Ow. No. Help! Get oh, help! No. I can't be here. <laughs> Trolley, chocolates, drink beverages, birdie bots, beans. Oh my god. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, 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 bad science. Hi everybody, welcome to Bad Science. I'm Ethan Edinburgh, your host. This is the show where we analyze a movie with a scientist and a comedian, and today's show is no different. We're talking about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, a movie many people have asked for. It's from 2001. I have never seen any Harry Potters. I've never read any of the books. This was totally new for me. It was a blind spot in my societal experience, and so I'm so happy to be filling it in with two lovely people that are going to be helping me. And I want to warn you both, do not give me spoilers for the other 29 <laughs> movies because now I'm going to watch them. This will be a lot of entertainment for me during the quarantine, but let me introduce you first. Uh, first of all, we have writer, comedian, and host of the comedy podcast Cool Ladies with Palmira Munez and co-producer of Jenny Yang's bi-monthly show called Comedy Crossing, the Animal Crossing stand-up show. It's Marie Soledad. Hey. How's it going, Marie? Very I'm very good. It's actually cool aunties, not cool ladies. What? The, where did <laughs> well, I get did that I write, from? I might have written cool ladies on accident. Let's just go ahead so and blame you. Yeah, please, please do. Please, please, please. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's my fault uh, a thousand percent of the time. Uh, Marie, you may recognize she was on our Inside Out show from however long ago. And, uh, you know, we're good friends. We're pals. And I heard yeah. that you were a huge Harry Potter fan. Is that true? Oh, my gosh, a thousand percent. I was a huge Harry Potter dork. I dressed up for her like as a Gryffindor person, <laughs> Gryffindor student for years for Halloween. I went to like every movie premiere, read all the books as they came out. It was like a whole thing. Wow. Yeah, you were you were on the cutting edge. <laughs> you were on the ground floor. Yeah. <laughs> That's very exciting. I probably would have been freaking out also. I don't know why I just overlooked it all of these years. I guess because since I missed the beginning, after, you know, three, four movies came out, I'm like, okay, well, now I'm just buried. Now I'm too far behind. Yeah. When the first movie came out, I was six. So like Scholastic Book Fair was popping mm -hmm. and I just had to get in on it. Yeah. Well, so, I'm glad that yeah. you did. I'm glad that we have you as a specialist. And speaking of <laughs> specialists, we are also joined by a developmental biologist and author of Lab Math, a handbook of measurements, calculations, and other quantitative skills for use at the bench and co-author of Ahead of the Curve, Hidden Breakthroughs in the Biosciences, Dr. Danny Spencer-Adams. Hello, how do you do? I do very well. I loved our pre-chat about Harry Potter, and I can't wait to get into all of this. However, you stopped me in my tracks just before we recorded and said that you had a big day today. Will you tell the people what you were telling us? I did, um, but I want to issue a very um, strong caveat that 
this is very, very new data. Great. Um, but today, I, I now have a company and we're developing a new kind of cancer diagnostic test that's very fast. And it's based on looking at living cells and specifically at the voltage of living cells. Uh, it's been known for decades that when a cell becomes a cancer cell, its voltage changes. And in the last couple of decades, they have invented these dyes. And all you have to do is pour them on cells and they glow. And if the cell is cancer, it glows brighter. So we're developing this test that's based on comparing the brightness of the cells. And today was the first time I was able to work with skin cancer cells, skin cells and skin cancer cells. And I think it worked. And that's where the caveat comes in. Um, yes. I have a lot of stuff to do, but yeah, I think it worked. I'm pretty excited. The first step in a, in a series of potentially very exciting steps, right? I mean, these science exactly. trial and yeah. error takes a while, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. But today was a remarkably good first try. It usually doesn't work that well on the first time. So let's so. just summarize and say that you, Danny, Spencer mm -hmm. Adams, have mm -hmm. cured cancer today. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that. We owe you a huge debt of gratitude. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> also, I wanted to ask, you had some sort of involvement with Discovery's Curiosity series. Is that correct? You like made some sort of video for them? I had, yeah. When I was a professor at Tufts University, I had, um, I was using these dyes that you can, you can film them and look at how the voltage is changing in the cells. And I was studying frog embryos and um, I was just, soaking them in the dye and doing time-lapse imaging of them. And if you play little microscope tricks, you use lookup tables to color things fancy, you can find um, really amazing patterns of how the voltage changes. And, uh, oh, heavens, what's that fellow's name? He was a mythbuster. He was the short mythbuster. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, I anyway, he came across that video mm. of an egg actually dividing, and he asked if he could put it on his episode about regeneration, uh, talking about how you can use electricity to trigger regeneration of something. Cool. Okay. So that was really cool. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, today we are talking about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. And I think before we get into it, we have to mention this J.K. Rowling transgender manifesto. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah, like... Yeah. Let's talk about it, even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I don't want to spend the hour getting political. It's a science show, and we're going to get into the science and have fun. But how do we not at least uh, comment on this? I mean, I'll give uh, Marie the floor. I'm sure, Marie, you have thoughts on this. But I have a quote from Daniel Ratcliffe, which I thought was really good. Did you see his response to this? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. I'll just read it. He, he said, transgender women are women. Any statement to the contrary erases the identity and dignity of transgender people and goes against all advice given by professional healthcare associates or uh, associations who have far more expertise on this subject matter than either Joe, which is, I guess, J.K. Rawlings real name, uh, or I. According to the Trevor Project, 78% of transgender and non-binary youth reported being the subject of discrimination due to their gender identity. It's clear that we need to do more to support transgender and non-binary people, not invalidate their identities, and not cause them further harm. Wow. Go Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. That I was agree. It was really awesome to hear Harry Potter like vouch for trans people. <laughs> um, to be honest, um, I recently came out as non-binary on like social media. It was an accident, actually. 
I just Oops. said I, I just said I was non-binary like in a post and then I got all of these messages like oh my gosh you're so brave thank you so much for sharing your journey and I was like ooh I okay thank you <laughs> like, I, I guess I am very brave and strong and this is my journey or whatever um, <laughs> but yeah JK Rowling being a turf is not great and for those of you who don't know turf that's trans exclusionary radical feminist or sometimes reactionary feminist um so she thinks oh. she, she thinks she's down for the cause but she has like a huge blind spot yes. um and hmm. I, I you know watching harry potter i'm like you know we have professor mcgonagall changing into a cat we have literal <laughs> magic all over the friggin place mm -hmm. but you can't you don't think that trans people are real? You know what I mean? Like she'll say magic, <laughs> but it's like, oh, trans people, that's that's too far-fetched. You have a, you know, I'm, okay, JK. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I was pretty astonished by, it was kind of one of those things where when it first came up, I was like, no way, like that's that can't be right. Something got misconstrued. And then I went and just started reading the stuff that she was like tweeting out. And I was just like, it just gets worse and worse. The more she's yeah. just digging a hole. It was so bad. Oh, oh but anyways, I, I, I think it's good that we at least call her out and say like, this movie is great. I'm hoping what I've heard is that the following uh, movies are, are even better. So that got me really excited because I, I did enjoy this movie. But what were your, I mean, you said you were six, Marie, when you first saw this yeah so went to the theater went with my best friend we were both harry potter nerds it was dope i got really scared at the scary parts because i was a child so wait did you sorry to stop you but did you become a nerd after watching the movie or you had already read the books because i think the book or like two or three of the books came out like a few years before the movie I so I started reading the books because the movie was going to come out. Oh, and I was smart. like, I got to read yeah. this before the movie before the movie comes out. And then, you know, very quickly read all of the books. Yep. Um, it was like a whole event. And Scholastic was really pushing it on children, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> really giving <laughs> it to them for their marketing. But yeah, I was hooked. And then I was a Harry Potter nerd, not for life. But, you know, every time there is a new Harry Potter house quiz, I do take it. So maybe it is for life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going away. Um, I mean, it's it's cemented, right? I mean, now it's just it was part of your growing up, your adolescence. So it's like where mm -hmm. you can't get rid of that. That's really hard. Um, and, and Danny, what houses are we just real quick? Oh, I don't know. I didn't take the oh. <laughs> the quiz. I mean, I would hope that I'd be Gryffindor. And honestly, I don't know really anything about the other houses. I know that Slytherin, <laughs> like, uh, Slytherin is bad, but pretty besides right. that, the movie didn't really talk about the other two houses. That's true. That's very uh, book part. Do you want me to mm -hmm. tell you about the houses? You can tell would me. Like I'm, I'm down for all information that has to do with Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, I guess I should say if I'm referring to the book, but not the other films or the because I'm yeah. sure there's like a million spoilers that I could just walk right into. And then I'd be I don't know, maybe making it worse for myself later. I'll keep it spoiler free. In the book, they explain the houses in like mm. a weird poem that they took out of the movie, unfortunately. Oh, but yeah, Gryffindor is real brave. Ravenclaw is all the smarty nerds. Oh, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> um, I love Ravenclaw. Um, Wait, why isn't um, Hermione in Ravenclaw? Yeah, she's braver than she is smart. Duh. Okay, I'm sorry. She <laughs> she made it pretty specific at the end, where she's like, "I'm just a brainiac. I just know books. You're brave. I'm not." <laughs> I think that's a quote. <laughs> Again, no spoilers, but okay, okay. Uh, I'm sure yeah, she's super brave. 
Ravenclaws are very smart. Um, Slytherin, they're supposed to be, you know, cunning and um, very like competitive. Okay. Um, and I guess that means evil to J.K. Rowling. Um, <laughs> yeah, jeez. And then Hufflepuff are just like lovable dorks. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So I keep. I am a. I am honestly a Ravenclaw Hufflepuff cusp. Every time I take the <laughs> test, either I get Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. And um, non-binary or non-binary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So I get I get to be in between. Um, That's great. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And Danny, when did you first see this movie? And did you see the other films? Are you a Potter a Potter person? I am not a Potter person. Um, I had seen the Philosopher's Stone before. Or I guess the movie is Sorcerer's Stone. Yes. I had seen it once before, but I haven't read any of the books. Okay. Uh, so I am with you, Ethan. I, I, uh, this is new. This is new. Are you going this to be like me taking advantage of some of this quarantine time and just going so <laughs> deep into this Harry Potter world? I, I may dip my toe in. Yeah. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll see. I may bother you for another podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, so to break the ice here before we get into too much, I wanted to talk about the owls because I personally love mm -hmm. owls. One of my favorite animals, I think. And I was reading about it and it said that 80% of the owls that we see were actually real owls. They would like shoot a bunch of takes of owls flying around delivering the mail or whatever and then combine yeah. them in post. And there was a few CG owls. But anyways, I had a little very quick little owl quiz that I thought we could take. I was I, I was thinking we could call it quizage. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, and of course, as always with my puns, I apologize. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So, you know, anybody can answer these uh, as quickly as you want. I just have three quick questions that are owl related. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. What is a group of owls called? A wisdom? No, that would be good. Uh, a tribe. <laughs> the answer is a parliament. Oh, fancy. Okay. Pretty cool. A parliament yeah. of owls? Never heard that before. Huh. That's very governmental. Okay. And yeah, and supposedly it came from C.S. Lewis's description of a meeting of owls in the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, wow. So. Is that from um, James Lipton's book? I do not know. Yeah, what's it called? An Exaltation of Larks. Oh, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd love to say we'll fact check that, but I don't know if we will. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know how much, how many of them he collected and how many he made up. Oh. But it's a very fun book. Okay, interesting. Well, there was another book you wanted to shout out, I recall, from our pre-show discussion uh, called Slights of Mind. Is that correct? Oh, yes. That book. Everybody should read that book. It's like a neurological take on magic, uh, something like that? Yeah. Two neurologists um, or neuroscientists got very interested in what magic could, you know, sleight of hand or the, the kind of magic in a magic show, what it could tell us about what our brains can and can't do. How is it that the magicians are able to fool us and what characteristics of the way we uh, see things and the way we interpret what we see, what characteristics are being exploited by magicians? So they went out and learned magic from all these brilliant magicians. And the book is fantastic. Slight of mind, if you're interested in Slight that of mind. book. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Second owl question. How many degrees can an owl turn their head? Uh, 180. 180, right? Yeah. 270 is the answer. Whoa. 270. Oh, wow. <laughs> Almost all wow. the way. And apparently a blood pooling system collects blood to power their brains and eyes when their neck cuts off their circulation. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? Wow. wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
did not. That's like um, the reason that giraffes don't faint when they have their heads all the way down and then they lift their heads all the way up. Mm -hmm. The reason they don't faint is because there are like fibrous tissue in their necks that's like support hose. It doesn't let the blood rush to their feet Mm. after they've drunk and lifted their head back up. It's just, it's this beautiful mechanical solution to this this physiological problem. Man, whoever that mechanic was, it's pretty smart. Very smart. Yeah. yeah. Smart. Not, I'm definitely not that smart. <laughs> if, you were, if you were strictly a Ravenclaw, you'd probably be able to figure that out. <laughs> okay. All right. You know what? It is the Hufflepuff that is, you know, making me lose this quiz. <laughs> okay. Last one. Owls are zygodactyl. What does that mean? Zygo. Like zygote? Like All I can tell you yeah, is, zygo- is zygodactyl. So dactyl's fingers or claws, I guess. Um, zygo is when you've joined. So when an egg and a sperm actually join, it becomes a zygote. So something about having two different kinds of claws. Extraordinarily close. Yes. Their feet have two forward facing toes and two backward facing toes. Oh, Oh. yeah. So they can grab things. (laughs) That's right. That's yeah, so that's why you can't escape their clutches if they get you. No, and I'm not going to go into how owls catch stuff and eat it, but it is brutal. <laughs> I'm telling you, you do not want to be the victim of an owl. They go hard. Oh, boy. Um, I mean, that's parliament for you. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining me. <laughs> um, okay, so that game is over. I just wanted to add in one little... Everybody wins, by the way. Uh, one quick owl <laughs> fun fact. Owls are very intelligent and very sociable. And in Japan, you can hang out with them at owl cafes. That is that's, so cool. That's great. Yeah, so if you're there. I knew about cat cafes. Yeah. Which I would highly recommend, by the way. That is where I met one of my cats, Swanson. Uh, so if you have the chance oh. to go to a cat cafe, definitely do that. It's amazing. Can you buy an owl from the owl cafe? Ooh, great question. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I would love to. A little baby owl. So cute. Right? And they you know, are really adorable, the little ones. Yeah. Some of them are really small, by the way. They get to like literally six inches. Like that's their maximum oh. height. What do they eat? Um, uh, Shrimp po'boys. Yeah, okay. No, I'm not sure. Okay, (laughs) so there's a couple things here. I I was making a ton of ridiculous notes at this movie because there's so much magic and fantastical elements here. But there were a few things that, Danny, you wanted to touch on. One of them, which I did not write down, but you were talking about what (laughs) it would take to use a broomstick to fly, to take flight. Is that right? Yes. Um, A long time ago when I was in graduate school, I was, my graduate advisor was studying insect flight. And so I knew a little bit about how flying works. And so I thought, well, maybe you actually could fly on a broomstick. And what I discovered was that you could, you can sort of, um, you can't ride it like a horse. So you couldn't do it the way they do in the movie. Okay. Uh, And if it was going to hold you up, it'd be way too big for sweeping. But if you took it and and made it horizontal and spun it around its axis, okay. So as if um, as if your broom is the center cardboard from your paper towel roll, and you yanked, so you're spinning your broom. Oh, okay. Okay. If you put a spinning cylinder like that into a flow, into you know air, wind, or something, that generates lift in exactly the same way that an airplane wing does. Whoa. And they are actually building 
these real it's called the Magnus effect. Okay. And I'm not supposed to I don't know, what do you think, Marie? Can I is that too much of a spoiler? There is a Magnus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. In <laughs> later <laughs> I I don't remember Magnus. There is a there's a a centaur named Magnus coming up. It's just a little Oh, okay. Um, I don't know what he does. I have no idea what he does. There was there was a was centaur figure in this movie too. I don't know if he had a name or not. Ferenz. But in his name is Ferenz, Ferenz. Yeah. Excuse me. His name's Ferenz. It's Ferenz. Yeah. Okay. I don't. It's the Italian version of Florence. Okay. So he was an Italian uh, <laughs> centaur. <laughs> centaur. <yeah. laughs> Centaurini. Centauro. Centauro. Um. Anyway, so this business of of spinning. Um, a cylinder around its long axis in a flow of air generates lift. Wow. And they're making, um, so Jacques Cousteau actually had a boat that had these spinning cylinders instead of sails. Wow. And it would pull forward. The problem with that when they first started was the energy you use to spin the cylinder is way more than the energy you save <laughs> by not powering <laughs> a, a regular old motor. So it's for looks. It's for aesthetic. It was a little, yeah, it was an interesting experiment. Um, but they are making little uh, radio-powered airplanes um, that kind of work like this. So there, you you couldn't ride it, obviously, because you'd just be going, spinning round and round in circles, which I think happens in the movie, doesn't it? He, yeah. he like starts rolling over like he was rolling a kayak. Oh, that's right. When he's um, like under the spell. Right? Yeah. 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 But if you could put your spinning cylinder into kind of a container and then hang from below it, mm, you go you up. could use a broomstick as you could fly on your broomstick. Um, these little radio powered airplanes that they're using, they're called the uh, fan wing fan is the wing. way to look it up if you want to Google it. Sure. Um, and they're and they're they work. <laughs> so, yeah, you could you could fly on a broomstick. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, fascinating. I did not think that that would be possible. Isn't that cool? Yeah, pretty cool. Okay, speaking of flying, you were also mentioning that the snitch and the flying key <laughs> have something in common with mosquitoes. Yeah, I thought it'd be fun to look up. I was thinking about flying broomsticks, so I thought, well, I wonder if the keys could fly or the snitch could actually fly. Mm -hmm. And that's actually much easier. There's a funny history to it. That for a long time, there was this, you know, this sort of thing that everybody, quote, knew, which was that bees should not be able to fly. That if you look at them from an aerodynamic point of view, they simply can't fly, hmm. which, of course, is ridiculous because they can fly. Yeah, they totally fly. They totally fly. Um, but it's only like in the last couple of years. And there, there was a similar question about mosquitoes mm -hmm. because their wings are really, really small. And so they didn't understand how these tiny little wings could generate enough lift to lift the animal. So um, bees and mosquitoes are both, they're in the same group. These are flying insects that are grouped by the, having only one pair of wings. And the way it turns out they do it, the mosquitoes can fly with these tiny little wings because they beat four times faster wow. than any other insect. Damn. So they are just, they are whipping those things back and forth. It's its just really fast. But the other really cool thing about it is if you think about a bird flying, um, that's probably not a great, but if you think about something where that it's just raising its wings up and down. So as it goes down, it's generating lift, but it's got this recovery stroke that's kind of useless. Mm -hmm. Well, what the bees and the mosquitoes do is they rotate their wings perpendicular to the way the bird has the wings. So instead of being parallel to the ground, oh. they're 
they're um, just upright kind mm-hmm. of. And then they they just kind of swoop them forward and then swoop them backwards. So they angle them mm. to generate lift going forward and then they switch the angle so they generate lift going backwards. It's almost also. like a swimming stroke type move. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a swimming stroke. Um, wow. It you know if you could you know if you could do a butterfly, but you like you didn't have to take your arms out of the water. Right. If bringing your arms back to the front also moved you forward, so it's this really cool combination of being able to generate lift going both directions and flapping really really fast. It's something like sixty flaps per second. I had a stupid question about the keys also. Yeah. This is more maybe Marie, you can help me with this and maybe it's in the book. I was a little lost for a second because at the time they thought that Snape, is that his name? Yeah. Snape mm-hmm. was ahead of them. They're like kind of chasing him into the I don't know what to call it, dungeon secret area. Yeah, secret dungeon area is the name of the There's book. no way that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the actual okay. name is because Chamber of Secrets is the next book. Okay. So. Yeah, some sort of uh, the mirror room. Right? Mirror of Erised. So the key, does it just regenerate? Because wouldn't he have got the key and then used the key and then had the key? Because they they went and got another key. Yeah, I I think he was trying to rush in. So he left the key in the hole and then the key was able to wriggle out and and escape that way. Because his his wing was all messed up, right? Because he was grabbed and jammed into the hole because Mm. it's a villain. They're not going to delicately, you know. It's like a coke addict. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I got to get that stone. I got to get my fix of that stone. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Asked and answered. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. I wanted to ask uh, just a fun question here about the invisibility cloak. And first of all, I do want to mention that I tried to look up legit invisibility cloaks, and there are companies making them such as HyperStealth. They use some sort of light-bending technology. Uh, it is pretty legit. They're like thin. It looks like like glass or plastic or something, but it's thin and it can bend and you go behind it and you cannot see what's there. And I believe they're using it for military purposes. Of course, no one is surprised. Um, but if you guys were granted an invisibility cloak, what would be the first thing that you would use it for? I would be a creep for sure. <laughs> yeah. You would look at people that like the people that are like your friends that are hanging out without you that you think might be talking shit. It's like, let me go yeah. check that out. <laughs> yeah. No, I would literally. Yeah. I, that's exactly what I would do. Ethan. <laughs> I would I would use the invisibility cloak to look at their phones, see their group message without me, find out where they were going without me, and then go into the trunk of whoever's car they were taking mm-hmm. without me. And then just appear there and be like, oh, hey, guys, I didn't know you were going to be here without me. Yeah, so weird. I'm wearing that shirt you all hate, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I, my brain, of course, I went to immediately steal. What can I steal? Uh, which I guess is similar to Harry Potter because he went into the restricted area first thing, which I guess is not that restricted, by the way, because he just like opened a latch. <laughs> But okay, that's fine. And also had a freaking huge lantern, not in the cloak. So pretty easy to see that. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, I would probably just try to, I, I don't know, go into, of course, someone who deserves it, some sort of super conservative Republican uh, person who takes money from the NRA or something, uh, jack their stuff. 
you know, maybe I wouldn't be a creep. Maybe I would just move things around slightly in people's rooms. Oh, that's fun. Make them think <laughs> yeah. like paranoid, make them think there's ghosts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'll do that. I don't want to be petty. I don't want to ruin my friendships. <laughs> I just want to make people think they're a little crazy. Yeah. Okay. I love that. <laughs> Danny, would you steal yeah. your, um, your peers research? I would not, but I'm definitely Ravenclaw. Um, all I could think of is, wouldn't it be cool to be like in the aquarium at night? I would use it to hide <laughs> and wander around the aquarium at night or a natural history museum. Or I think it'd be amazing to be to be able to just have a whole thing like that to myself. Yeah, that's a way better that's answer. That's a, a fantastic <laughs> oh answer. That's so good. <laughs> Um, okay, wow, great. I'm so glad I asked that. I was debating it. Uh, <laughs> multi-headed animals like uh, Fluffy, I believe his name was, or their name, I don't know. I guess it's multiple multiple <laughs> animals. I'm not sure. But they called they called it Fluffy, right? The three-headed humongous dog. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Fluffy based on Cerberus, mm -hmm. who guards the gates of hell. Right, yes, which yeah. I also found very funny. But just from, like, there were certain things. Of course, I'm watching it like a jerk, taking notes. I'm sure if I was just watching it, I would have <laughs> loved it. But I did think it was funny how their answer to how to protect something is the same as, com like, a non-magical person's, right? It's like, just get a huge dog, and that way nobody will want to mess with it. <laughs> like, magic aside... <laughs> It doesn't matter. When people see this dog, they're going to be afraid. They're going to want to leave. Um, yeah, yeah, same. And he's like know. a three-headed Rottweiler, right? Like three-headed giant Rottweiler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Scary dog. Super scary. People love to use them to intimidate. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask biologically if there are multi-headed animals and what's that about? We can't. Yes, there are. They do occur naturally. A lot of people think they're hoaxes because uh, it's very easy to hoax with photography. Um, but there are actually animals, um, snakes and things, um, kittens. Uh, it's not it's not as rare as you might think. Um, there's actually a two-headed snake in a, in one of the zoo little zoo things in San Francisco, and uh, that's probably the result of an episode where had it finished, they would have been twins. So if you mm. have an egg and it separates into two complete separate, well, a zygote actually, and it separates into two complete zygotes, um, they can both develop normally. That's twins. But if it doesn't separate all the way, you can get something with two heads. Um, the other way to get it is to have two in there that then fuse. So it's not that weird. Um, Three-headed, and actually, I, I just learned this in 2018, the, the very first wild two-headed snake was found. It happens in captivity, and because it's in captivity, they can be kept alive. In the wild, they can't. They can't really eat very well, and apparently the two heads will fight. <laughs> they'll do. They'll, they'll make it in part in, impossible for the other one to do things. But Whoa. what I the story I know, which is so great, is have you ever heard of flatworms, planaria? Yes, but remind they me. They are exactly what they sound like. They're these little flat, wormy things. Um, and if you've ever seen one, they're really cute. Um, they have these little googly eyes. Um, and a place that you might have seen them is uh, it's a really cool biology class lab trick because they are fantastic at regenerating. So Whoa. like in, in you know third grade, you can get a planaria, cut it in half, and come back a week later, and you have two complete planaria. That sounds really cruel. Though. <laughs> well, interestingly, 
It's actually how, it's one of the ways they reproduce. They cut themselves they in half? They cut themselves, they pull themselves in half. Ooh, oh my it's God. It's really wild. They anchor the tail end and the head just crawls away until it, it, oh my God. it necks down and then pops apart, like pulling silly putty or something. It's pretty wild. Um, so, Jeez. Uh, so they don't love um, it. I'll tell you that. They don't love it. But <laughs> Yeah, but, doesn't sound yeah, like it. It turns out, so one of the, you can actually chop a planarian up into a lot of pieces. They're very small and you can chop one of those up into about a hundred and something pieces and each one of them will make a new worm. Oh my God. So it's really wow. amazing. But the way you make it's it's the way you make two and three and four and five headed planaria is you play a little trick on the cells. So normally if you, you have your planarian worm, you cut its head off and you cut its tail off. And normally what happens is, and then you, you keep the piece in the middle. They'll all three regenerate, but we're interested in the piece from the middle. The okay. end that had a head will regenerate a head and the end that had a tail will regenerate a tail. That's normal. But if you cut the head off and the tail off and then you dunk it into octanol, which is just an, an eight carbon alcohol, um, it's an, gasoline additive. Anyway, if you put it into octanol, that actually blocks, it prevents the cells from talking to each other in a particular way. Um, for hmm. the nerds out there, it blocks gap junctions. And, <laughs> and that prevents the cells at the two ends from communicating about which end they are, from keeping track. I'm the head end, you're the tail end. So you prevent okay. that conversation from happening. And what in about 25% of cases, it regenerates as an animal with two heads. Wow. So that's pretty cool. There's I mean, yeah. again, cool and cruel. And it cool. sounds like <laughs> well, what's so that is well it, you're just promoting ways to mess with these worms. <laughs> yes, we are. It's true. Um, what's so funny about them though is if you feed them, both ends can eat and eventually and they and they have trouble. They try they both try to swim away from each other. They you know, so they'll just oh. go back for they're push me pull use and they don't know which way to go. Eventually the quote smart ones shape themselves into a U. So both the heads are facing the same direction and they move around like that. That's adorable. Oh. That is adorable. That's like <laughs> they two are buddies going around doing their thing together. Yep, and four little googly eyes. It's oh my god! Okay, that was creepy though. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, this whole thing sounds like a weird. Like you sound like the villain in a fantasy uh, movie. No, no, this is very serious science. Very serious. Okay, you can. I mean, I have to take your word you know, for it. You're a scientist. I'm not. Googly eye, a scientific term? Um, Can't be. <laughs> It, well, if you wanted, you could call them the eye spots. That's about as as technical. No, no, no. Let's go back to googly eye. Googly eye. Googly eye. Yeah, no. There are pictures of those of those all over the all over the web. We um, this was back when I was at Tufts. One of the other scientists there, Dr. Morkuma, was involved in sending some planaria up in the space shuttle to mm. figure out if for further cruelty for further cruelty <laughs> to see if they could regenerate in zero gravity. I'm sure that all of those ah. flatworms signed up to be part of this program, Ethan. They like I'm did. sure they trained very long <laughs> and this is their lifelong dream. Yeah, they're all uh ex athletes. They all used to be professional percent. tennis players and stuff and now they're like, you know what? I'm still in shape. Cut my head off. Yeah. I'll just make a new one. <laughs> yeah. I'll make a new one and then I'll eat twice as much. It's gonna be dope. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if you could split off into two Ethan. Wouldn't you want to do that? No, no? that oh. would be terrifying. Absolutely not. <laughs> Nobody wants that. I mean, I would love... No, maybe I wouldn't love to be two Maries. No, okay. I wouldn't love to be two Maries that are shaped in a U and have to go 
like crawl in oh my god <laughs> yeah um, yeah like I, that sounds horrible if you want to make another ethan and send him to japan like maybe i would be down <laughs> i guess but if he's attached to my body i want no part of yeah. it two separate um, maries one, one yeah, evil, well, one good. Oh, uh, right? That's getting interesting. Right? Yeah. There was movies about that, a... isn't there? Something about yeah, evil probably. twin gynecologists. Oh. Excuse the good me? gynecologist <laughs> and the evil twin gynecologist. I'm not <laughs> What movie is up. that? I promise I'm not making it up. It was, um, and it was somebody, it was like Jeremy Irons. Not Jeremy Irons, but somebody like that. A man Ooh. with dark okay. hair. I hope it's like really obvious who the evil gynecologist is. So I could just like turn around and be like, my mistake. I meant to make an, an appointment with your brother. <laughs> well, his <laughs> eyes are red, of course. And glowing. Oh, good, ah, good. Okay. Yeah. That helps. Yeah, that's that's helpful. helpful. So yeah, if you guys are seeing a gyno and <laughs> his eyes are glowing red, that's yeah. a sign. Yeah. To get his brother, definitely. Yeah, as for his brother. Okay, so we're we're running low on time, but I have a few. Can I tell questions, you one more, more story about the two-headed worms? Oh, absolutely, please. I love these worms. These, these worms. Um, I will leave it to you to go to the web to find out how to make three and four and five-headed worms. There's some pretty amazing pictures of them. But what's really incredible about these two-headed worms is they're it's one animal, right? And you made it the first place by preventing the cells from talking to each other. Well, if you mm -hmm. now take that two-headed worm and cut its the two heads off. You don't have oh, no. to you don't put it back in the al alcohol or anything. You just cut its two heads off. Okay. It should now regenerate a head and a tail, right? Because that's what it quote knows. That's the shape it knows how to be. That's the shape that's right. genetically determined. And you're not mucking with the cells anymore. You're just making them have that conversation again as normal. Okay. They don't. They make two heads again. <gasps> and every what? time you cut off those two heads two heads regenerate oh like Why? a hydra is that what it's that it's kind of like a hydra yeah um hydras are also master regenerators uh Whoa. but this is just what's so weird is that by briefly mucking with that electrical conversation the cells have that that lets it know it has a head end and a tail end just by changing that very briefly you can completely change the anatomy of the worm wow. i mean it so, is so not Darwin. <laughs> it is, is an it, inheritance. Is it because it's yeah, it's permanently like the communication is permanently severed, nope. or now it's just nope. under the. It opens back belief? up again, but somehow blocking it briefly. You you can show oh. that as soon as you wash away the alcohol, after a little while, everything opens up and is back to normal. Wow! But oh. it somehow it has reset its shape. It's forgotten the shape it's supposed to be genetically. And right. it's taken on this new, its new shape form because you've mucked with its electrical signals. That's wow. a that is so cool. That is just yeah, that's an wacko. amazing thing. That's so. Um. Okay. So the plants. This is also, I believe, the part of that whole snare, sequence. Yeah. Yeah. They like fall into these plants. Hermione's yelling to relax. Um. And then once you relax, they let go of you, and everything's cool. Um. So are there plants like that? I don't know about the relaxing part. I know that's true of uh, quicksand. That you're just supposed to relax in quicksand. Okay, uh, mostly because it's not very deep. And if you just sink to the mm. bottom, you'll just, you know, you'll be up to your knees. But the thing about that I thought was really cool about the devil's snare is that there are fungi, fungi, fungi that capture little tiny worms that way. They, they have little sprouts that are like lassos. And when a worm crawls through the lasso, the lasso just tightens down and catches the worm. Whoa. Again, if you, there, it's 
it's got a big name. They're called nematophagus fungi. So nematodes with the little worms and phagus means eating. Nematophagus <laughs> fungi. And they that's what they do. They lasso worms exactly the same way that devil snare kind of lassos uh, the, the three kids, the wizards. Okay. So that's interesting. Just, that's super cool. Um, okay. I wanted to ask about... Uh, essentially the stone, the stone, sorcerer's stone or philosopher's stone, uh, gives you this like immortality type, uh, ability. It also turns lead into gold. Mm. I think those were the two main those powers are, yeah. that it has. That's, yeah. that was my, yeah, yeah. Marie, you're the expert on that. <laughs> yeah, that's what it does. Okay. So I was trying to look up immortal animals and a lot more stuff came up than I thought it would. Uh -huh. Apparently, there's the most like popular, which is the jellyfish Turritopsis dorni that hang out in oceans around the world, and they can essentially turn back time by reverting to an earlier stage of their life cycle. Um, is that right. is that accurate? That's cool. I have never heard it, but I completely believe it. Okay. Um, yeah. Apparently, that's the case. I don't know. Yeah. The, well, the details on that. If but, we can go yeah. back to the nematodes for I'm sorry, the planaria for a second. They're immortal. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Um, so oh, now Sorry. I'm just thinking of all the little two headed ones that are just can never die. I'm oh my gosh, <laughs> all of these all of these all of these things that you've done to these worms will never die. Yeah, they're 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 well cared for. Well, I hope um, so. It doesn't sound like it. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. Hard to believe you. Um not much is known about sexual reproduction of Nema of the planaria. Um they don't do it very much in captivity. So they can lay eggs and um, sperm and you, where you combine two and make a new individual. But as I was saying before, usually they just tear themselves in half. So right. you do that once and those two new planaria are clones. They're identical. They're the same animal, mm -hmm. identical genetically. And those then split into four and eight and whatever. And so if a planarian is alive today, it's the result of you know, probably hundreds of thousands of maybe millions of divisions all the way back to the very first nematode. We need wow. to treat so them their... with respect. They know so yeah. much more than we have ever known. Wow, they probably there's probably been what planaria at the, you know, Library of Alexandria. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It, they're easy to find. I built it. They're easy How... to find. We need to find JK Rowling, get her magic, because apparently she has it, and then <laughs> into the minds of these planaria. It's well, that's what's happening. I need to mention um, Mike Eleven, who's who runs the lab where we did all this stuff. But that's that's the idea is we're trying to figure out how they do it to see if we can do it. Did you say that guy's name was Mike Eleven? Mike Eleven is the Dr. Mike Eleven is, oh. runs the lab where Dr. Marakuma works, and and I was part of the same center when I was at Tufts. I thought for a second his I thought for a second his last name was Eleven, yeah. and I just wanted to confirm. He's that. the Eleventh Mike. He is a planaria <laughs> as a person, <laughs> right? And always has been. Yeah, um, but the, all Mikes stem from one Mike. And this is Mike Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you were saying the reason, one of the reasons I'm so willing to believe you about the jellyfish mm -hmm. is back to planaria. They really are cool little beasts. They, if you starve them, they just get smaller oh and then you God. feed them again and they get bigger and then you starve them again. They get smaller and they can Whoa. just, yeah. So they can, they, and they stayed the same shape. So they, they, a little planaria, you could, you know, you could zoom in and it would look just like a big planaria. So Dang. they, this. Wow. In your they research, just, yeah. do you know if they enjoy their lives? Great question. No. 
No, okay, they don't. And you can you can take that as I don't know and oh. or no, they don't. Got you. Okay. But I their brains are really simple. Really, really simple. That makes me think they do enjoy their lives. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, really. Ignorance is bliss. Exactly. I'm going to weigh in and use all my expertise to tell you that, you know what? They love their you lives. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I would love it if I just didn't eat and then I became <laughs> tiny and then I did eat and then I became big. That sounds fun. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Okay, I have to ask about an enzyme. While I was reading about all this biological immortality stuff, an enzyme kept coming up called telomerase. 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 Yep. Yeah. Can you tell me about that, maybe? I certainly can. So that has to do with when an animal cell divides, or when a um, it's it's bacteria don't do this, Um, and I don't think that single-celled organisms do this Um, because, as I was just saying, if you reproduce by just dividing yourself in half. Um, you never age. But when you get into something complicated like a human or an animal or a big plant, we have our, you've probably seen pictures of genes or chromosomes and they look like little X's usually. Yeah. So each of our chromosomes is one long molecule of DNA. So it has two ends. And the problem is because of the sort of geography, that's an odd word, but because of what happens when a strand of DNA is being copied because of the mechanics of that process. Every time a cell divides, the ends get a little shorter. You lose some of the DNA at those two far ends of that molecule. And um, it's believed that that's part of the aging process, that the ends of your chromosomes getting shorter and shorter and shorter every time your cell divides is part of what makes the cells actually get older in a way that bacteria don't. They just keep dividing. And grow and divide and grow mm-hmm. and divide and grow and divide. Um, they have circular DNA, so they don't have this problem of how do you deal with the ends. Anyway, so telomerase re- repairs those missing ends. It adds DNA back on to the end. Wow. So if your DNA is not getting shorter, you're not aging. The cell is not aging. So in animals that can regenerate, I'm not sure if they've looked in the planaria yet, but I'm sure it's there. What they find is they just have this really efficient, really good telomerase. So when a cell divides, the DNA gets shorter, and then the telomerase comes along and puts the DNA back. It adds it more, adds more back. So it's been, it's a really, really interesting molecule that seems to confer a certain kind of immortality. So you're saying if I eat the planaria, planera, I will become immortal. You could try. I don't. The problem with eating things, although I love, I didn't realize how much I love planaria. When we eat something, we just dissolve it in the acid in our stomach. But you can actually do genetics on planaria by feeding them RNA. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Wait, okay, wait. But if they live forever, does that mean if I ate them, I would just have them in my stomach forever? Um, no, you would no? dissolve it. Okay, you cool. would dissolve it. Okay, so we can kill them. There are ways to I'm... kill these animals. <laughs> Oh yeah, you can stop on. Marie, I'm I'm with you here. I think we should round up all of these immortal jellyfish. There's apparently lobsters and these like tardigrades. I mean, we should oh, just make are great. We should make a little uh protein shake if you will. That's what I'm I saying. mean, first of all, <laughs> we should make a company and we should sell this yeah. and tell people they're going to live forever. But also, we should make our own experiments and drink this stuff. And I, I mean, how can it hurt? Yeah, we should actually live forever, Ethan, and then just sell like yep. snake oil to everybody else. Oh, great idea. Yeah. Yes. If people if people meet our criteria, we give them the real deal. Exactly. 
I want a discount. Great juice. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, you're going to get a discount. You okay. you spark this whole thing. Okay. You're going to get the first batch of tardigrade juice. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Tardigrades you're, are pretty yeah. hilarious. You're our head scientist. Uh, Ethan and I are just, you know, razzle-dazzle marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I need some razzle-dazzle marketers to to charm the surgeons. Yeah, Danny, you're handling manufacturing R&D. Literally on our business cards, it just says razzle and dazzle. Oh, perfect. Can I be razzle? Yeah, yeah and you can, and we'll also legally change our names yes. so that I am razzle and you are dazzle. No, no, I'm razzle, you're dazzle. Okay, great. I love Thank dazzle. You. That actually sounds like a cool, it almost sounds like a cartoon character for like the WB. Yeah. It does. Well, it does. What, Dazzler? Isn't it Dazzler the X-Man? Oh, I don't know. I've like, never heard I that. I think she shoots light out of her hands. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. I was thinking more of like the Tasmanian devil or something like, I'm oh. Dazzle. <laughs> What's up? Oh, yeah. Now we also have to change our voices to reflect these new characters. Okay, this is great. Oh, I, I love of that. course. I'm Dazzle and I want you to try tardigrade <laughs> juice. <laughs> Who could resist I mean, that? Yeah, that's convincing. Um, Okay, we are out of time. But of course, I want to give both of you a chance to let us know if there's something going on. Obviously, uh, your your podcast, which I want to get the name right now is Cool Aunties. Is that correct, Marie? Yeah. Okay, Cool Aunties, the bi-monthly show. Is that still because I don't play Animal Crossing, my girlfriend plays and I watch from time to time. Is that where you just tune in on Animal Crossing? Or do people watch like online while they play Animal Crossing? You watch on Zoom and all of the Okay. comedians go to an Animal Crossing island and are Animal Crossing characters. Um, and mm. you can play Animal Crossing while you're there, but you're not on the island or at the comedy club. <laughs> so you can just play separately yeah, on you your own. Yeah, you just have to play separately while you watch us be funny. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. But it's free. <laughs> it's a free show. Uh, link in my bio on all my social media at Depressed Auntie. So please come through. Excellent. At Depressed Auntie for all things Marie. Always a pleasure to have you. Um, and uh, Dr. Danny, besides the solution for cancer, is there something you'd like to tell people about? Um, <laughs> you know, I've been so focused on trying to learn about marketing. Um, I wish I'd come <laughs> to you sooner, but I haven't thought about anything else. The only thing that pops to mind is and this is going to give my age away a little bit, which is fine. Um, I actually have a trust for my nieces and nephews, and the name of it is the Wacky Ant Trust. Oh, okay. And my my wow. lawyer was like, "Really? <laughs> you really <laughs> want to call it that?" So I I uh, I definitely have to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Wow. Okay, that's fantastic. Well, I hope people, if they want to know about math, they can they can get your book, Lab Math. Yeah, that would be great. Right? Yeah, buy Lab Math. Go buy Lab Math and uh, and support Dr. Adams and uh, and I thank you very much for being on the program and talking Harry Potter with me and hopefully uh, we can have both of you back to talk about what's the next one Chamber of Secrets you said oh I would be absolutely Chamber delighted. of Secrets yes that one's my favorite really favorite book or movie favorite I think it's favorite book and movie because uh, I like the snake. Surprise. Okay. The what? Well, now I'm hooked. There's a snake. Oh. There's a snake in this one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is that a reoccurring thing? Is there a snake in every movie? Uh, the, is there? <laughs> Do you want the spoilers, Ethan, or not? No, you're right. I don't. I want to be surprised oh, yeah. and delighted by every snake hiss. Exactly. So, one <laughs> spoiler. Great. Okay. Well, thank you both. Talk to you soon. Uh, much appreciated coming on the program. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bad Science is a Seeker podcast produced by Emily Feld and me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Cade. And the executive potter is Brett Kushner. 
Oh, follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceAtSeeker.com. That's BadScienceAtSeeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver. But it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye.